I really just want to say thank you for doing this and putting Mothers Together out there for everyone. It's been such a huge blessing for me um, to just have this community and to know that there are other women out there that are going through this exact same thing that I'm going through. And like the stuff that we talk about is just, I'm like, yes, like, I don't know anyone else I could talk to about poop, but like, I'm going to talk to you guys about poop. It's just, it's really refreshing to be able to say everything and anything and never feel judged by anyone. I just always just feel constantly supported. So like, this is gold to me. And I just want to say thank you for putting this together and for starting something like this. It's just, it's been crazy incredible um, and has seriously been better than like the six months of therapy I did last year. I just want to thank you because I did not really expect to connect so well with the women in my group and so quickly. And I just feel like I haven't really had a group of friends in a very long time, much less a group of friends that understands a lot of the day-to-day struggles that we have. And I know that's the reason you created this, um, or created Mothers Together is because it's hard to find that connection. And I thought I'd give it a try. And I'm really, really, really grateful that I did because we've all really connected really very well. And I'm very grateful for it. What it means to me, um, everything. Um, Before Mothers Together, I was um, alone. I felt alone on an island um, where I I didn't know who to talk to or where to get answers to questions or even just have a chat. A chat with somebody who understood what it was like to have a neurodiverse kiddo Um, and, and what all that means. And now I have that. I found it. It's a community. It's Mothers Together. It's me reaching out anytime I have a question, a thought, um, a quote, a need, um, I need to vent, um, I need help. That it, it's just it wraps up into it means everything to me to have that connection and that support system um, at my fingertips. And I'm so glad that I found Mothers Together. These wonderful moms you just heard from are just a few of the members of Mothers Together, my support group style community for moms raising neurodivergent kids. So you all know how passionate I am about Mothers Together. I remember how very lonely and isolating it was to raise my child, not knowing if anyone else out there was going through a similar experience. What I would have done to send a quick text to a friend who could simply say, I totally relate, you're doing the best you can, you're an amazing mother. So when I launched this community in August of 2021, I set out to provide each and every mom with the exact level of lasting friendships, deep connections, and judgment-free support that she needed. With over 100 members now, the feelings are mutual. What we've gained can only be measured in true validation and close relationships. So what do you get when you join Mothers Together? There are three pieces to the community. Number one, the forum, off of social media with its own app, lets you search by category. Everything from location to age of child to diagnosis to types of schooling and many more to connect right away with moms who might be going through a similar struggle as you. Number two, your support group called the pod squad. That's your home base matched personally by me with other moms and mothers together. You have weekly meetings and check on each other on a regular basis, sometimes every day. When I jump on Marco Polo, the video messaging app, I hear messages between moms such as, how was that doctor's appointment? We're thinking of you. Let us know how the play date went. I'm having a really tough morning. School drop-off was a nightmare. I need to vent. 
Not only do you have your pod squad, but you also have access to the entirety of Mothers Together members, ensuring you can grow your web of support as large as you personally need to. And number three, our monthly guest expert live Q&A, so we can get some professional advice right there on the spot. We've had such amazing guests as Laura Pedix, otherwise known as the OT Butterfly on Instagram, a pediatric neuropsychologist, a therapist, an IEP coach, a life coach, an EFT practitioner, and many more. If you are struggling with the day-to-day grind of motherhood, wondering who in the world understands the challenges of raising a neurodivergent child, Mothers Together is your ticket out of being stuck in your head. Your people are here right now waiting for you. So don't wait. Sign up and join us at ontheharddays.com forward slash mothers together. New pod squads start soon. Today's question is, what do I do when my neurodivergent child has behavior issues at school? And how do I address it at home with consequences? So goodness gracious, where do I start? I am going to be wearing two hats for this chat, my mother hat and my teacher hat. Um, As a 15-year elementary school educator, um, I feel like I can speak to this in a variety of ways. And you know, it's a good question. It really is. And here's my first thought. Right off the bat, it's like, we as a society need to shift the way we look at child behavior, child development and behavior. Behavior is communication. We know this. That being said, there are some behaviors that occur in school that I have seen with my own eyes that are mind-blowing, that require evacuating a classroom, that require some sort of restraint because that child is a danger to him or herself and others. I have seen desks thrown, chairs thrown, um, all kinds of fun things, (laughs) all kinds of things. Behavior issues are really tough. And societally, in public education, we are still um, trying to shove students inside that box, which looks like conformity. It looks like sitting down and Um, doing a lot of written work. Yes, it's gotten better over the years with more collaboration and discussion, but still, recesses are way too short. There's not enough extracurricular options in schools. I mean, I could could actually step on my soapbox and, and just go. But addressing this question specifically, so given that the school systems are not yet designed for neurodivergent kids, right? They're not. They're not. They're really designed for a specific type of student who is willing and eager to conform, who is calm in their in their body all the time, um, and wants to people please and do what they're told. And you know, that that's great for some kids, including me as a child. That was totally me. But that is not going to work for many others, including neurodivergent kids. So when you say whoever it was who asked me this question, when you say there are behavior issues at school, my my question in return is, okay, so, well, first of all, is your child neurodivergent? 
I'm assuming yes, because that's why you're reaching out. If your child is neurodivergent, do they have a diagnosis? Do they have some sort of a a label? Have they been tested in any way, shape, or form, either outside of school or inside in, in the school? Because honestly, they should. If your child is having behavior issues in school and it they are neurodivergent, they need to be tested so that the school can see, okay, yes, this is ADHD. This is autism. This is anxiety. This is sensory processing disorder. This is OCD. Um, this is PDA. This is ODD, right? We can go on and on and on or some combination of all of them, a menu of sorts. Either way, if this is something, then the child needs to be tested so that the school can say, yep, we see what this is now, and therefore you get a 504 or an IEP. Because without a 504 or an IEP, your child is, quote unquote, just another kid not listening to directions and, you know, um, behaving out of turn when if there's something going on underneath that, then it needs to be identified and everybody needs to be on the same page, which brings me to my next thing. So if, if your child is having a behavior struggle and issue or issues in school and they are neurodivergent, they need to be tested, they need the label and they need a 504 or IEP, which I, I can get into that probably a little bit here, although that's probably a, a separate question too. Um, because then your child needs a team. You are on the team, obviously. The, the child's teacher is on the team. The guidance counselor is on the team. The, the school psychologist is on the team. The school nurse is on the team. The principal is on the team. And, and often there's a few more people in there too. There could be a speech and language pathologist on the team, an OT on the team, a PT on the team. You get my point. So we need a team. We want a team. Despite what many people may think, schools truly do want your child to be happy and successful. We want the best for your children. And I, I can so say with all of my being that teachers want the best for their students. Parents want the best for their kids too. So how can we meet in a way that keeps that goal in mind? The ultimate goal is we're all working towards is having a a child be successful and, and these behaviors stopping. So once you've gotten the testing and a label or diagnosis, a 504 or an IEP, a team, once you have all of those things, okay, Now let's take a look at the behaviors. What are they? When do they occur? And what age child are we talking about? I mean, I kind of have elementary school in my brain. I I am an elementary school teacher. Um, I did teach four years of sixth grade, but it was in an elementary school setting, and then 11 years of fifth grade. So these are older, upper elementary. We're talking teenagers. That is maybe a whole other ballgame, and um, I, I can't speak to it, to be honest. My, my own kids are not that age yet either. So if we're talking elementary school and we've got it, or even middle, and we're, we have a team, what do we notice about the behaviors? Do they always happen at, 
right before lunch. I mean, I can speak my own neurodivergent kid, especially when he was younger. Some of those, the biggest meltdowns we had were right before a meal. He was hungry, low blood sugar. Will a snack fix the problem? Can he keep a snack at the nurse, he or she, keep a snack at the nurse's office where they can go and grab that snack half an hour before lunchtime to give their, their body a little boost so they can make it to lunch? Will that prevent the behavior? It may. Will, do these meltdowns occur, um, meltdowns or behaviors or whatever it is, do they occur in the mid-afternoon, an hour before the end of the school day on a regular basis? Well, does the child take medication in the morning? Does it wear off? Is it possible they may need another dose in the afternoon? Or are they understimulated? They've been now sitting at a desk for five hours. They had a 15, 20-minute recess and a half an hour lunch, and that's not doing the job. So does that child act out with their body after five hours of sitting? Like, yeah, I would be too. If they haven't had their special, let's say they have uh, art class or music class, and it happens to fall at the end of the day. And so all they've gotten to do in terms of movement for that day are that 20 minute recess and a half an hour lunch, and it's been six hours. Yeah, we're going to see some struggles there because they don't, all the kids are antsy, right? All the kids are antsy, but neurotypical kids are able to calm their bodies and regulate themselves on their own. And neurodivergent kids often cannot. So what do these behaviors look like? Are they just out of control bodies, tapping pencils and, and falling out of their seat and jumping up and down and moving all around and they're just constantly all over the place? Well, you know, what are we looking at here? Maybe ADHD, but if there's no diagnosis yet or, or whatever, the kid just needs to move. What can we do about that? Can they work up, work standing? Can they go take a break? Now, I, I wanna pause here for a quick second with my teacher hat on because something that always sort of irritated me, I guess, I don't even know if that's the right word, but something that always like irked me was knowing, I, maybe this is actually my mom hat, not my teacher hat. It was knowing that there are kids who need breaks frequently and they need snacks frequently. But it's really not fair to neurotypical kids who also want snacks and breaks, but because they can regulate themselves, we as a, a system may think that the kids don't need it. Well, you know, I've, I've got a, a, a child who's been sitting perfectly still for the last five hours, um, hands folded, following every direction. So now it's two, two o'clock in the afternoon and she's not falling apart. So she, she, she must be good. But like she actually could be starving and really need a break, but she's able to mask. So we assume, you know, this one kid needs a break. This one kid needs a snack. No, how about everybody needs a break and everybody needs a snack? Let's do that. I mean, that's that's entirely what I believe uh, as a teacher. All the kids get the snack. All the kids get the break, because it shouldn't it shouldn't look like. And, and a lot of people do have a, a problem with this, and I understand. It shouldn't look like the kid acts out in class and now gets to go on a break and get a snack. Not fair. 
So does that child need a break and a snack? Absolutely. But so does everybody else. So let's give it to them. We'll give it to all of them. Anyway, that's, that's a separate beast. When backing up and, and reviewing so far, when you have a, an evaluation done, a, a diagnosis or a label, a 504 and an I, or an IEP and or a team, now we're looking at the behaviors. When do they occur? What are the patterns? What do we notice? What do they need? Okay, after all of that, now what? So oftentimes, when, when we figure out what our kids need, a consequence, quote unquote, is not necessarily applicable. It depends what they do. If a, if a child is in and out of their seat, in and out of their seat, rolling around on the floor, pencils are flying. Like, I mean, I can't even tell you how many, how many times as a teacher that we see this. Like, I literally just gave you a pencil three minutes ago. Like, brand new. Where is it? I don't know. Is it in your desk? I can't find it. Is it in your whatever? This is like, you know, that sort of thing. Some teachers, perhaps, may really struggle with that. The disorganization, the mess. Um, that's the kind of kid, to be honest, who probably spills things and there's sticky stuff and it's just, it's a lot. But that is not malicious. That is not disrespect. That is a child who needs help and we can provide that help if we take a close look at what those actual needs are. Now, it's a little different than um, a kid who screams, screw you, in other words, at the teacher and runs out of the room while flipping over chairs. And yes, I've had this happen. That's different. There may still be an underlying cause. There likely is, especially if the child is neurodivergent. So we should already know what that cause is. We should already know what they, they struggle with. We've already met as a team. Yes, this, this kid is someone who does go from zero to 60, does throw a chair and does walk out of the room. We already know that. So generally, the goal should be to prevent that from happening in the first place. But if we don't and the behavior has occurred, yes, there's going to be a consequence. You don't get to flip a chair, storm out of the room, and then come back in two minutes later and you know with a lollipop and come play. Also for another, that's another story for another day. So in my opinion, both as a mother of a neurodivergent child and as a 15-year elementary school teacher, the behavior issues at school, it's not so simple to sort of just throw the consequence on and move on, because if they are a neurodivergent, there's something else going on in the first place. If they have done something that is hurtful and, and hit a kid or, you know, swore at the teacher and, and all of those things, yeah, definitely need a consequence. I mean, in my opinion, because... They still need to know that this is absolutely unacceptable behavior. But we also need to work on preventing it from getting to that point and replacement behaviors and strategies instead. So you feel like you're going to punch a wall or someone's face. Here's what you need to do. 
And if you do not, like, if you, if you do not, and it does depend on the age of the kid, but if I'm talking to an 11 year old and the kid's like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to hit someone else. Like, no, no, you're not. So we're going to have to follow up with some consequences. Now those consequences may be in school. Uh, That's a whole other issue. Um, Obviously should never be anything ever physical. Um, And one big one in elementary school is taking away some recess, which is very controversial. And I understand that from both perspectives. I truly do. I do believe that the kids need to move. They need to run. But at the same time, what do we take away? That is another episode for another day. Either way, obviously the consequences need to be um, appropriate and never physical, never hurtful. Um, And uh, preferably they, they match the behavior, right? Like it's, um, oh my gosh, what's the phrase? I'm totally not even thinking of it, but you guys know what I'm saying. Um, it's an appropriate consequence. It matches. You, um, were playing around with your, with a, with a pen cap. Well, I'm taking the pen cap away, right? That's, um, logical. There it is. Logical consequences. In terms of be, uh, consequences at home, following a behavior at school. I mean, again, my opinion, neurodivergent kids with a diagnosis, with a with a plan, with a team, if it's addressed in school and there's a consequence in school, you were playing around with your pen cap, I asked you not to, I gave you multiple chances, I gave you um, uh, um, like a stress ball to you, I, I, like I tried and you still didn't. And the consequence is I take your pen cap away. I personally do not see any reason why um, there needs to be a follow-up consequence at home for something like that. Like, no. Um, it, the consequence was served. Fooling around, you you lose the thing that you're fooling around with. Um, that being said, if it's something more serious, flipping a desk, flipping a chair, hurting someone, I don't know. I, I cannot, and I won't, you know, ever try to tell you how to parent because I don't even know how to parent. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm doing. None of us do. Um, I I am winging it. I'm winging it. I'm looking at my kid. And to be honest, so full disclosure, Mr. Nine masks in school and always has. So I we have not had this issue um, with him. Mr. Six, well, we'll see what happens down the road. There, there may be some things. Honestly, it's going to depend. If they get off the bus and they, I don't know, hit a kid, yeah, there's going to be a consequence at home. Like, I don't, I don't, there's absolutely no reason to hit a kid, to hit anybody. So yeah, you've just lost, whatever, screen time for a week. You're going to write an apology letter to the kid. You're going to go and, um, you know, if, if, if that's appropriate, if the kid can do that, there's a lot of factors at play. It, I guess that's kind of my point here. There's no obvious answer. And believe me, I was looking for one for so long. Like, just tell me how to parent my kid. What are the strategies that are going to work um, and to help them be successful? And there's there's no one way. There's no one way. So I am deciding when the kid gets off the bus, are they starving? Are they exhausted? Is now really a good time to go into whatever it was? Um, Maybe it's something we talk about later. Maybe there's a follow-up consequence, depending on if it was a, a, a massive, severe, totally unacceptable behavior. Maybe we're just going to have a quick word about it. Maybe we'll go in tomorrow together and see the teacher and, and just have a talk. It, it really just depends. And so I guess my message here with this question is to trust your gut 
And that is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's like tuning out all of the advice that we are told, which is sometimes really bad advice, especially for neurodivergent kids. And instead, doing your best to block that out. Look at your child. Look at them. What do they need? What are they craving right now? Is it love? Is it food? Is it sleep? And is this the first time this has happened? Is this an ongoing issue? Is there, you know, you, you, you look at the situation and respond accordingly. Try to tune out what everybody else is telling you. Try to tune out the way that you were raised, however that was, because it's still, even if it was the most beautiful, peaceful way of being raised, it's still making an assumption that your child will react and, and, and fit that mold. And they may not. So you've kind of just got to wing it. <laughs> Is that the worst advice ever? Yeah, you're just going to wing it. But that's, that's, that, those are my thoughts. And if my child was having major behavior issues at school, and I don't have the evaluation, and I don't have the plan, and I don't have a diagnosis, and I don't have a team, well, that's the first thing I'm doing in the morning as I'm picking up the phone. I am saying, we are struggling. I am requesting an evaluation. Now, it's not going to happen just like that. You're going to have to have a meeting. It's a whole it's a whole process, but let's get the process started. Do it now. Don't wait because behaviors may just increase. And this, and this whole uh, process can take months. So you don't want to wait on that. Get on the phone, request an evaluation, which is going to require a meeting. Tell them the truth that you're struggling. You don't know if this is behavioral or if there's something else going on. Um, can we please take a closer look at my kid? Um, I'm really willing to work with you guys. I'm excited about finding a team and getting some support for my child. Please let me know what the next steps are. I'm really looking forward to it. You know, thank you so much, blah, blah, blah. That's what I would do. Oh, goodness gracious. So that's my thought. Those are my thoughts about those behavior issues at school. You know, it's, it's not simple. It is complicated. It depends on so many things. So listen to your gut, um, call the school, start having those conversations, um, and go from there. And you know, as always, I would love to hear your thoughts on this topic. You can, um, I would prefer, uh, Instagram is the best way to find me. Jump on there. I'm at on the hard days with dots in between each word. Send me a DM. Let me know what you think about this episode. But you also can email me at on the hard days at gmail.com. Um, I always welcome your thoughts to everything that I'm saying. These discussions are so valuable um, because we all want what's best for our kids. And sometimes there's no easy answer to that. So I'm always into furthering the discussion and I look forward to next week. Thanks guys.